0: Christmas is officially starting. Yes. Uh, Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Matthew 13. We're going to look at three verses because Thanksgiving sermons should be shorter than other sermons. Amen. And all the elders said, amen. We're going to look at verses 44 through 46 together. Two parables. The parable of the hidden treasure and the priceless pearl. As we continue to explore... Jesus is teaching in parables about the nature of the kingdom of God together. Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. Uh, did you get any great Black Friday deals this weekend? Um, so we, we traveled on Wednesday to my parents' house in uh, Cleveland, Mississippi and spent a couple of days of, of Thanksgiving there. And I bought nothing this weekend. <laughs> Which was great, but I did try. You know, like I, I, like I, I felt obligated because of the the pull of marketing just sucks you right in uh, into the. Thank you, Sam, for finding. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I have like the sites that I that I go to, which always, of course, includes Amazon, but there are others that I intentionally kind of go and shop through and scroll through. And I'm sitting on my phone and I'm I'm scrolling through and I'm absolutely paralyzed. I don't know if that's happened to you, but I, I got I got paralyzed. Like, how do I know if this is actually a good deal or not? You know what I mean? Like, I uh, there are so many factors that go into whether or not um, something, whether or not you're going to exchange your cash, which is worth earned cash, um, in exchange for this. Or this item, or whatever that item that, it mean, is, that there are just so many things that go into my head while I'm trying to make that purchase that it just completely paralyzes me. I get frozen, and I ended up not buying anything at all. I don't know that I've ever gone through a Black Friday where I didn't buy anything at all, other than gas to get home um, between Cleveland and Memphis, you know, somewhere in that regard. Actually, I did buy one thing on Black Friday. Uh, when we were driving home, some guy was pulling his boat in a truck in front of me. And you know how the seats on a boat will swivel like a bass boat? Well, his swiveled so much that it just flew out of his, out of his boat and right into my grill on my car. It's awesome. Which had, had Trey been in front had been through his windshield because of his low, low riding. Trey's got a low riding car. I, that was funny. Uh, but he, <laughs> just not really. He just got something low So I did buy an insurance deductible on Black Friday. It's very exciting. Um, yes, very, very good. But I get, I get paralyzed when I want to buy something. And one of the factors is buyer's remorse. Okay, And this is really true online. When you don't really get to hold and touch and feel and do all the things that you do with something. I get, I'm afraid of having buyer's remorse. Because it's that moment where you've exchanged your cash to get something. And you realize very quickly that what you paid and what you got is like... You know, this, right? You're just, you're sad. You're literally sad that you gave up something of great value to you, your cash, in exchange for something of very little value, um, if any value at all. It's called buyer's remorse. The parables that we're gonna look at today get at this issue of uh, the great exchange, the parable of the hidden treasure, and the parable of the priceless gain. And here's the point. That, that both of these parables make that I want you to take home with you and think about and kind of process, and it's this. The loss of anything that you currently have. The loss of anything that you currently have is not a sad thing when you gain Jesus as a result of that loss. Okay? The loss of anything that you have is not a sad thing when you gain Jesus as your joy as a result of that transaction. That is the point that Jesus is making today in Matthew 13. Look at the parables with me, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of Find pearls, and when he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and he bought it. Okay. Two points I want to drive home for you today. Two points. The first one is this from these parables that the kingdom of God is far more valuable and wonderful and beautiful and perfect than anything else that you might hold dear. Now that's a long list of things that you value, people that you value, relationships that you value, stuff that you value, land that you value, homes that you value, boats with seats that spin out of the bag that you value. Okay, Whatever it is, the kingdom of God is far more valuable and wonderful and beautiful and perfect than anything else that we might hold dear. The, the two previous parables that we've looked at, we're answering this question here, the, the parable of the mustard seed and the buried treasure. How the question was, how can Jesus be ushering in the kingdom of God if it looks so insignificant? And the parable of the mustard seed answers that question. And then the, the wheat and the weeds last week. How, how can Jesus be ushering in the kingdom of God if evil is still present among it in this world? Okay. And now Jesus is answering this question about the kingdom of God. He's illustrating the value of the kingdom. If it looks insignificant, if it looks weak, how can it be of any value? How can it be worth exchanging my citizenship in the world to be citizen in the kingdom of heaven? How can it be worth it? Jesus' parable is answering that question. And he does so in a way that just connects with his immediate audience. All the parables do this exceptionally well. This really connects, but he also kind of transcends cultures and transcends uh, time as well. So back in Jesus' day, if you, if you needed to hide something or protect something, do you have a place in your house where you do this? Like, I got something and the kids cannot bind it, right? Where you're like, you're gonna maybe you're going to hide something. Just stick it in the wall. If I were any good with mud, Luke, I would do that. But I'm, I'm not. Do, do you have a hiding place where you, you put something that you don't want the, the kids, kids to find? If you had something valuable in Jesus' day, you had one option. You buried it. Okay? Often in your floor of your home, one of the spots in the living room would be a burial hole where you would hide something uh, valuable. And um, the most likely circumstance that Jesus envisions is this of a, of a peasant. Um, remember, he's talking to these peasant farmers. And uh, often these peasants worked in the fields of these wealthy landowners. And sometimes in their work, they would find treasures that the landowner had buried, or some other peasant had it and buried it in the land that he was working. Um, and uh, in this case, the, the, you know, the, they'd find this treasure and they'd cover it up again, and then they would go and buy, if they could, they would do their best to buy that spot of the land in order to have the treasure that was in it. They would invest all of their own resources in order to get what that one resource was in the field that they found. Okay. So Jesus's folks, totally, they totally understood what was going on in this, in this parable. Uh, pearls. Uh, I, several years ago, several years ago, we were on a Disney vacation. And we were inside, uh, this, uh, Epcot in the nation of Japan, as you make your way around to the different nations. And inside the Japanese retail store, um, there's a huge it's aquarium full of oyster shells, of shells. Have y'all seen this? If you've been to Epcot before, you've seen this, okay. So, and they're, and for... $5 or $10 or $20, they will let you just pick out uh, a shell. And it's guaranteed to have a pearl in it of some sort, of some value. And it says guaranteed value. I'm not sure how they like sonogram. I don't know what they do. But they know there's a, maybe they put it in there. I don't know. But they know there's a, there's a pearl in there. Okay, Because pearls supposedly had value. Back in Jesus' day, they were the most valuable object in existence for many, many, many people. And so they just became synonymous with highest possible treasure. Okay, most valuable thing was a pearl. Just the word became synonymous with that. So you would have free divers who would hold their breath and go down, think of the risk, into the Red Sea, to the Persian Gulf, the Indian Ocean. And to find a pearl there would be the equivalent of just millions of dollars, and people would risk their life as free divers to to do it. And Jesus' peasants, well, they would have been familiar with all of these stories. And they would have grasped exactly what Jesus was saying. And it was this. Once you understand what it is that you have in the kingdom of God, there's nothing that's going to keep you from getting it because nothing could possibly be of more value than it. Once you understand who Jesus is and and what He has done and what He's going to do in the cross and what He's going to do in the resurrection and what He's going to do in His second coming, once you understand the nature of the kingdom of God, there is absolutely nothing that could possibly be of more value than that or bring you any greater joy. There's nothing. There are a couple of hiding spots in in my home that I think are sacred. Uh, And most of the time there, we keep... Halloween candy, (laughs) okay? Because after Halloween, Halloween candy becomes the single most treasured uh, thing in our home. Uh, We will eat vegetables to get Halloween candy if you know what I'm saying, right? Like, that's just how valuable it is. And, we, and there's, you, we can use Halloween candy as a manipulation to get just about any behavior we want out of our children. It is absolutely glorious, and it reflects this kingdom principle, right? Once you understand what you have access to, nothing else is worth of any value in order to get this thing. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make about the kingdom of God. He wants us to understand just how valuable it is. It may look insignificant, mustard seed. It may look weak in the presence of evil in its midst, the wheat in the weeds. But it is the most valuable thing because of who Jesus is, and because of what he was doing and what he's going to accomplish. Which leads Jesus to a second point, and that's this, that we are responsible for taking all the steps necessary to be in the kingdom. If it is, what Jesus says that it is, if its value is what Jesus says that it is, we are responsible for taking all the steps necessary in order to be in the kingdom. It may look insignificant. It may look weak. But it's actually worth whatever is required to participate in it. That there is no cost that's too great in order to get into the kingdom. Typically, around this time of year, I will start planning a vacation for the next year. And about a month ago, I was like, you know, couldn't find anything to do this, couldn't find I like, I wonder what it. I wonder what it would look like to go to Disney World. I mean, we haven't been in several years. Let's, well, about five, six years. You know, let's, let's see what it would be like to go to, to Disney World. It was going to cost three months of preaching for me to go to Disney World for four or five days, okay? We are not going to Disney World, okay? We're going to do something else that's way better and actually even less money. The cost was too great for me to get into the Magic Kingdom. It was not worth the sacrifice. It's not worth exchanging the cash and the time that I have. But to get into the heavenly kingdom, the sacrifice of all that I have is not too much. The sacrifice of all that a person has is not too much. Whatever cost a person expends is nothing in comparison to the benefit of belonging to the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is saying. Whatever treasure this world has to offer, whatever source of joy that this world has to offer, all perils pales in comparison to being a citizen in the kingdom of God. In other words, the loss of anything is not sad when we gain Jesus as our joy. It's not sad. So what? Well, I wanna I want to point out three things for us today. The first is a bit of an aside. It came to me last night reading a children's book to Luke as he tried to go to bed. This parable is incredibly practical when it comes to contentment and jealousy. Contentment and jealousy. Whenever you think that grass is greener on the other side, we are often forgetting that there actually is no other side. (laughs) That right now, we possess the most valuable thing in the universe. If you're a Christian, you possess the most valuable thing in the universe, and that's citizenship in the kingdom of God. So whenever you're experiencing a lack of contentment, one of the things you should do is remind yourself that you have the golden ticket. You have the passport that everybody wants to have. You have citizenship in the kingdom of God. You have that which is most valuable and most treasured. So whenever discontentment creeps in, preach the gospel to yourself, you have that which is the most valuable thing, and that is Jesus. Okay? And when you are jealous for what others have, then you are clearly forgetting that you already possess the most valuable thing that there is. Whatever you want that that person has pales in comparison to what you have in your relationship with Jesus Christ as a citizen of the kingdom of God. So it's just remarkably practical when you're dealing with these issues of contentment and jealousy. Listen, listen to the way that the psalmist says this in Psalm 63. And keeping that in mind. Listen to this. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that's dry and desolate and doesn't have water. Well, you'd think he'd want water. But he doesn't. He wants God. Right? So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You, This is, this is the clincher. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips there's, there's no room in the psalmist right now there's no room for jealousy there's no room for a lack of contentment in the soul of somebody who is treasuring God for the value and the treasure that he actually is he gets it so he doesn't need anything else he doesn't to find satisfaction or, or happiness or, or any, he, doesn't, he can't find it anywhere else he's got Jesus he's good and for those of you that are maybe not Christians, I think this passage is super compelling. Okay. Whatever you think you stand to lose in order to gain Christ is totally worth it because you're going to gain Christ. Okay. Over and over again, Jesus' message in life is super consistent. He's saying, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is near. That's what you've got to do if you're not a Christian because whatever you need to repent from pales in comparison to what and who you will gain. Okay? Now, that's a process, I think. So sometimes you have to trade up, okay, a few times before you're going to get there, right? So if you've got to turn from thing A in pursuit of Jesus, but but then you find that you've got this thing B that you also value, that you need to repent from, and then when you do that, you find that you've got this other thing, thing C, and you've got thing D and E, and it goes all the way down to the alphabet, right? But ultimately, to get to the ultimate, you're going to have to trade up. It may be that you're not going to be able to like, you're right, this is all valueless. I'm going to Jesus. You're going to find things that I'm going to. In fact, for those of you that are, that are Christians, this really is like, this is the Christian life. It's constantly claiming your treasure, right? But if, but if you're not a Christian, you're going to have to trade up to the ultimate treasure, but you are going to have to trade all the things in. Being a citizen of the kingdom of God is not an add-on, okay? right? You've been through the fast food line, and they, you, you order your thing, and then you get upsold, right? Would you like to add this on to your thing for 99 cents? Just, I do this at Panera. Whenever I work at Panera sometimes. I'm checking out, and they're like, hey, for just 99 cents more, you can add a pastry. I'm like, well, it'll cost me $20 in guilt, so no... I'm not going to eat that, right? I'm not going to do that. The key, sometimes I think people are like, okay, church, religion, value in society. It's good for me, like socially. I, I get there's some benefit to this for me, so I'm going to tack this on as a part of my life and just kind of reach into it and use it when it's convenient and I need it. The key, that's not the. You would not do that for the most ultimate treasure. Which is why Jesus calls it the ultimate treasure. It is the kingdom of God is like a treasure that you leave everything else behind for in order to obtain. Because it is the most valuable thing. The most valuable thing is never an add-on. It's not a part of your internal investment portfolio. It is the investment portfolio. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, that is the call for an unbeliever. It is to say, nope, none of this is of any value. This is the ultimate value, and I'm not, I can't tack it on. I'm all in. I'm pushing my whole life in because it is the value that it is. And if you're a believer, then this parable is at one level just an affirmation that you've judged rightly. When you decided to become a Christian and follow Jesus and you pushed all these things aside, Jesus is affirming your choice. He is saying, yes, you are holding that which is most valuable. You've made the right investment. You've made the right call. And yet you are going to constantly have to remind yourself of this truth. Okay? You are going to be pulled back into buyer's remorse. There are going to be times in your life where it is going to appear that Jesus' kingdom is not the kingdom of heaven, or is not all it's cracked up to be because of the suffering that comes along with it. And you will be strained, and you will be tempted to cash in and go right back into less valuable things because this is starting to not feel or look or be what you thought it was going to be, okay? And what Jesus is saying is there, no. It may look insignificant. It may look weak, But what it is is the most valuable thing. Hold the investment. Hold the investment. Apostle Paul understood this so well. Philippians 3, everything that was a gain to me and for him, you know what Paul had to repent from? You know what he had to exchange for the kingdom of God? Earning God's approval through being religiously obedient. All the work that he did to earn God's approval, he had to say, that is worthless compared to having God's approval in Christ. That's the kingdom of God. Everything that was a gain to me, I've considered a loss because of Christ, he says. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things. And I consider not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but that which is through faith. And he says... Verse 10, my goal is to know, it's, it's a, still a goal. Like he's done it, but it's a goal. He's done it, but it's a goal. It is the Christian life. It is constantly pushing and pressing to, to live in the reality of the citizenship of the kingdom of God. Not that I've already obtained it, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've been taken hold of by gospel. by the Jesus, absolutely beautiful. Um, in, in preparing for this, message i came across this really cool story this guy named roy and uh roy lived out west and he was way into geology and so were his so were his younger boys and his younger boys had saved up some of their allowance and the dad said dad guys i'm, I'm gonna go off to the uh, to the rock store you want me to get you anything said, yes dad here's five dollars each child gave him five dollars get us something cool So they took their allowance, gave it to their dad, $5 each. So he put $5 in each of his pockets of his coat and went out to the rock store. So he was a rock collector as a hobby. So he knew what he was doing, right? And uh, so he's going through the the rock store. They're just, you know, box after box after box of rocks, boxes of rocks. Yes, that's rhymes. And, uh, And so he's going through there, and he finds in one of these Tupperware boxes... A, um, a container, one of these boxes, that has a container of agates all around it, okay? And on the sign it said, "15. He's got 10. It says, "15 dollars. Any stone is 15 dollars." So he's going through the rocks and he finds one that's like the size of an Idaho potato. And he, and he asked the guy, "You want 15 bucks for this?" And the guy running the store says, "You can have it for 10 since it's not as pretty as some of the other ones in the box." Says deal, pulls out his five, two five dollar bills, puts them together, puts them on the counter. Says thanks, have a nice day. Walks outside and can hardly believe what he has done by pulling out a fifteen hundred carat star sapphire worth anywhere from two million uncut to ten million cut for ten dollars. Now the trick is, I wonder if he gave it to his kids. That 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 was not that was not in the story, right? But you you get the parallel, right? Everything he had, his pause was ten dollars. That was all he was gonna spend, and he saw the most valuable thing in the world, and he gave everything that he had, and he walked out with the most valuable thing that he could ever possibly hold. This is the good news. This is the gospel, right? You've been told about the most valuable thing in the universe, the kingdom of God, through the work of Jesus Christ. The question is, will we empty our pockets every day and treasure what it is above all else? And the promise, the promise is that the loss of anything is not sad because in the exchange we gain Jesus as our joy. That's the promise. Let's pray together. Lord, I want this to be true in my life. That the loss of anything that I might treasure would not be a sad loss if, if in that loss, I gain Jesus. For there is nothing more valuable than Him. And I, what an incredible testimony to this community for there to be a there to be 150 people in the city of Murfreesboro and surrounding areas who, with their lives, demonstrate that Jesus is their greatest treasure and therefore have joy that is inexplicable apart from the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So that's our prayer. That's our prayer, That's our hope that we would make this great exchange, that whatever it is that, that we hold as valuable in our, in our life, that we would gladly, gladly give it and part with it if that was the way by which we came to possess you and your kingdom, which is a true, ultimate value. That's what we hope for, and that's what we pray you will do by the power of your Spirit in our life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.